Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, October 26th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Tesla joined the Trillion Dollar Club yesterday, and internal Facebook documents continue to reveal troubling practices and internal struggles at the company. Plus, green jobs are seen by many as the key to cleaner economies and a healthier environment. But some aren't so safe for workers. I think the word green, we often associate with things like safety and cleanliness and sustainability. But it's worth being a bit realistic about what some of those jobs are. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Tesla is now a $1 trillion company, according to its stock market value. Yesterday, it became the first car company to ever make the cut. The FT's Patrick McGee reports on Tesla and used to report on another big automaker when he was based in Germany. I always wondered whether Tesla was going to be worth more than Volkswagen. And uh, it's now worth something like seven times that of Volkswagen. And I still find it difficult to even comprehend that. I mean, for Volkswagen, for people who don't know, is the owner of 12 brands, including Audi, Porsche, Lamborghini, Bugatti. You know, these are high margin businesses that have ruled the 20th century, basically. And for Tesla to be worth all of that seems still to me a little bit crazy. And of course, to be worth seven times that is just insane, right? Or as ludicrous as a Tesla's acceleration. So, Patrick, what should we make of all this? Should Tesla actually be worth a trillion dollars? So it all depends on whether you think Tesla is an auto company or a tech company that happens to make cars. If it's an auto company, this clearly makes no sense whatsoever. Something like 90 million cars are built a year. Tesla only produces 500,000 of them, right? Its market share is less than one percentage point. For it to be worth more than the next nine automakers combined clearly makes no sense whatsoever. If, however, you think it's a tech company that happens to make cars, just like Apple is a tech company that happens to make phones, then you're sort of in the position that you're thinking Tesla is going to dominate and every other car maker is going to become the next Nokia or Motorola. And in that sense, look, Tesla does have a new revenue model, a sort of subscription for full self-driving, and it has the potential to earn money and profits in a way that no automaker has ever been able to before. And in that sense, you can definitely see it as the iPhone on wheels, and it deserves a a totally different premium, more in line with a Facebook or a Google or an Amazon than a Toyota or a Volkswagen. Patrick McGee covers Tesla for the Financial Times. Shares of another trillion-dollar company were up yesterday, Facebook. That's despite a continuing flood of information about how the social media company operates internally. Documents that Facebook whistleblower Francis Haugen leaked to the Wall Street Journal and then made available to Congress have now been seen in redacted form by other journalists, including our own technology reporter, Hannah Murphy. There are hundreds and hundreds of pages of these documents um, stemming back several years, some as far back as 2017, and they chronicle the inner workings of the company in a way that we've never seen before. Um, And there's also revealed throughout is the company's struggle with growth. Now, this is something we've known a little bit about, but really we're seeing for the first time that the company is particularly having troubles in Instagram and Facebook in attracting younger teen and sort of young adults under 30 you get the sense of the paranoia and the franticness at trying to solve this problem and sort of stop what could be an inevitable decline of the platform. And this is something that, you know, Haugen actually mentioned, but 
it sounds like the documents you've been looking at make this much clearer. Right. So how is Facebook responding? Or at least, you know, what's the company's recent messaging? The first thing that Facebook did when Frances publicly revealed herself was try to cast her as a sort of mid-ranking employee saying, you know, she wasn't involved in a lot of conversations and suggest that she's cherry-picking the narrative and it's sort of spinning as she pleases. And this is what she accuses Facebook back of doing, saying, look, here's all this data you have internally and the way you tell your story to investors and to the public is that everything is under control and, and it's not. They have then most recently sent a lot of memos suggesting, you know, a lot of bad press is coming, but... In some cases, this might be because the industries that are covering it, aka the journalism and publishers, have had their own growth struggles recently, sort of indicating that that the press is sort of waging a war against them. And so there's sort of an us versus the mainstream media narrative emerging there as well. Anna Murphy is the FT's tech correspondent, and a quick note on Facebook's latest earnings report, which was out yesterday. The company said that its third quarter revenues missed estimates, and its fourth quarter revenues would be hit by Apple's changes to privacy settings, allowing users to block advertisers from tracking them. Facebook shares ended the day up about 1% and moved higher than after hours trading. Green jobs has become a catchphrase for many politicians, and it'll be a big one at next week's UN Climate Change Conference, or COP26, in Glasgow. The phrase evokes images of people installing solar panels or wind turbines or working in electric car factories. But some jobs that are good for the environment are not good for workers. I'm joined by our workplace columnist, Sarah O'Connor, to talk more about this. Hi, Sarah. Hey. So when you talk about dirty green jobs, are you referring to things like mining in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, for example, where workers dig up materials used in electric batteries? Yeah, exactly. That's a kind of classic example. If you look at a metal like cobalt, for example, which is at the minute pretty crucial for electric batteries, for electric cars and that sort of thing, 70% of all of global cobalt right now comes from the DRC. It's a country that has huge problems with kind of artisanal mining, child labor, dangerous conditions, mines collapsing, etc. So that's just one example of how the types of jobs that will actually be required to help us all transition to this kind of net zero world that we're hoping to get to. They're not all particularly clean and green and, and pretty. And it's not just the jobs that involve collecting resources that we need for a greener economy. Recycling is another kind of green job where working conditions are troubling. Can you, can you talk about what you found? Yeah, so recycling is obviously really necessary if we want to avoid dumping loads of stuff in landfill. But the recycling industry has some problems around the safety of their jobs, pay levels, insecurity. Here in the UK, the safety statistics show that fatal injury rates in waste and recycling sector are about 17 times higher than the average across all industries. So that's the, the kind of the second highest. So there are these sorting cabins where people stand at conveyor belts, basically, and they, and they pick out particular items and drop them into different buckets. It's pretty uh, low tech, some of it. And those workers can be exposed to quite high levels of dust, other microbes in the air that have been released by sort of churning up all of this stuff. So yeah, there was a, a study here in the UK on some of those workers, which found that 84% of them said that they were getting sick 
um, as a result of their job. And another thing that's getting kicked around is lead. Um, you've cited an e-waste recycling center in the U.S. that was affecting the children of workers there. Uh, so what should employers be doing to avoid these dangers? Yeah, so the, the, the lead exposure, I mean, that comes from recycling of electronic waste. We're creating huge amounts of electronic waste just because we're throwing away loads of laptops and phones and, and all the rest of it. So it's great that we're trying to recycle that stuff. But the issue is that it's not been built in a way that makes it particularly easy to recycle. And when you start recycling it, you end up releasing quite a lot of toxic metals, including lead. There are things that, you know, employers should do because all good employers should do them, like thinking about better ventilation, protective equipment, providing showers so that workers don't accidentally sort of take particles home to their children. But I mean, you can also think a bit more carefully about the entire process, right? Because actually, if manufacturers design these products in such a way that they are designed to be at some point disassembled again, you could make these jobs safer by making these things more straightforward to disassemble and without the release of so many bad side effects. Now, would this cost a lot of money? And does this change the economic calculus for green industries? Um, I mean, all of these things cost money. And obviously, manufacturers don't love the idea of changing the way they design things or trying to make them last longer or make them more repairable. But then again, I mean, the whole argument with climate change is that the cost of doing nothing is so much greater than the cost of doing something. And I think if you want to take people on board with this transition, which obviously politicians do, you need to make sure that actually the jobs that are created as a result of it are decent ones that are helping to contribute to decent quality lives. Sarah O'Connor is a columnist for the FT. Thank you, Sarah. Pleasure. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com Let's get this dinner party started.